<laughs> oh, hey guys, come over here. She's uh, she's gonna be laughing for another five minutes. So, uh, you know, I think we're it's a good time for us to escape. Thank goodness. Uh, that's how you know she's villainous. We can. That's a good opportunity. Exactly. Yes, this is a great time for another one of my heroic high seas adventures. Right, right. But, uh, okay. How are we gonna get out of this tower, though? Ah, oh, I know. We could uh, rappel down the yard arm and swing from the mast to the ground and escape heroically. Uh, what? That sounds really dangerous, Cole. That's okay. I did it many times in my pirating career. There aren't exactly ropes, uh, just hanging off of the tower here. Hey, I, I actually see a set of stairs right over there. Fine, if you want to do it the landlubber way. Okay, here we go! Oh, we finally made it out of that tower. But they're closing the portcullis! What are we gonna do? Perhaps we could use Scurvy Pete's peg leg to prop up the portcullis and slide under piratically. I'm sorry to say, I think Scurvy Pete died two years ago of scurvy. <laughs> oh, wow. I somehow never saw that coming. Yeah, actually, well, while you guys were talking about Scurvy Pete, may he rest in barnacled peace. <laughs> I, uh, I actually found the lever to stop the portcullis. Oh, so we'll swing from that. N no, we can actually just like go through. Hmm. The problem is like dealt with. All right, let's let's head over. Let's head down to the docks. Yes, let's go heroically. Oh, there we go. Look, it's a trade vessel. It's just leaving, but it's leaving the dock. How are we going to get on board? My goodness, a boat full of goods and money. <laughs> How are we going to get from where we are onto that trading vessel full of loot? If only Someone here had some experience or an idea on how to get from here onto that trading vessel. Oh, now you want my help! fantasy fans and welcome to a very special anniversary episode of swords and satire Woo! the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art yeah oh yeah <laughs> i thought you were gonna say enthusiastic noise <laughs> happy sounds <laughs> <laughs> i'm your dungeon manager jamie mokel my pronouns are he and him and i am here with my piratical co-hosts my name is Cassidy, 
I go by they, them for them, their pronouns. They, them, their. They, them, There's gold in they, them pronouns. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Um, Never not funny. I didn't come up with it. (laughs) That's okay. We're stealing it. (laughs) Borrowing. We're mining for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a seagull. Who's friends with the pirates, and I just kind of like hang out on the ship sometimes, you know, when I get tired of flying. That sounds like a pretty sweet life. It's pretty cush. They like throw me fish scraps, anything they don't want to eat, but I'll eat anything. So nice. That sounds pretty surf. Yeah, it's F U R F or S E R F. Oh, it's it's just like some cool pirate slang. Uh-huh. Like, I see. I see. It's pretty tubular. If you don't get it, it shows your age that you're like an old salty sea dog. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I do think of myself as an old salty sea dog, though I've never really had a nautical life. You're the salt of the earth. (laughs) Thanks, Jack. Yeah. And you're crusty. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. It is 100 degrees here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Can't be scurvy, though. That's True. scurvy Pete's thing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently my great-grandfather's. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a tradition. I guess so. But who am I? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are any and all. Just happy to have them at all. <laughs> In this economy? Yeah, yeah. Invest in pronouns, you know, stock up. Can never have too many. <laughs> That's right. Look at me having one like a sucker. So would you accept meow? Happily. Awesome. (laughs) But what am I, you might be asking? Well, I'm a general that just has way too much fun to do my job. I get it. You know, when the battle is going very well, you know, I I end it with a duel that's clearly just for fun. (laughs) We have blindfolds. We have balloons, sometimes like streamers. Hmm. So it's less organized. So you could say that there's general pandemonium. Yeah. No, I I could say that. I could say that. I actually had a recent, (laughs) I actually had a recent battle in a bounce house. Oh. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. My opponent didn't know what the fuck was going on. (laughs) (laughs) You got him into the bounce house after he was blindfolded? Well, yeah, naturally. I feel pretty proud of my joke that I caused Jamie psychic damage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was silence. These days, my my mental stats are are feeling lowered. (laughs) Bad sleep gives you uh, weakened mental defenses. Yeah, whatever constitution for the sanity is. Willpower that could do. You could do that thing. That's right. (laughs) Oh, but long story short, I was sent with my platoon to actually destroy this pirate vessel. But I I think it's a lot more fun to just participate in the piracy. That makes sense. And then I'll just report back in a couple of years and tell them that, you know, we won. Nice. If we all had fun, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wins. Everyone wins. The real piracy was the friends we made along the way. That's right. Exactly. Well, guys, happy third anniversary. Yeah. Yay. So it sweet. is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so sweet. Anniversary. 
<laughs> it's hard to believe we've only been doing this for three years, and yet it feels like quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now, as we all know by now, <laughs> this is very obvious. Uh, every anniversary, we do a Robert E. Howard movie. Except for that time that we did Solomon Kane not on an anniversary because we did not have a plan going forward yeah. when we started this show. Yeah, it's true. But this week, for this auspicious occasion, we will be talking about the 1997 film starring somebody who I will not give any credit to. Ah. Called Cole the Conqueror, not Crawl. That's a different film. Yeah, I fucked up last week and said we were watching Kroll because I was confused. Nobody would have remembered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an easy mistake, especially since we have our DVDs right next to each other on the shelf. That's that's a good point. I mean, that makes sense. Now, this movie is full of swords and satire alumni, it's by which true. I mean people from other movies we've watched as recently as two weeks ago. Even the actor who shall not be named. Yes, unfortunately, this actor appears in a great many fantasy things. And as an actor, he's fine. As a person, no. Nah. You know what? I'm going to just stop right there. I had a hard time because, like, back in the day when he was in the role and, like, just after being on the, like, hit fantasy show he was on. I feel like now I can't name it or everybody's going to know exactly who we're talking about. I mean, they can just look at what who stars in this movie and they're going to know who we're talking about. Okay. I was like, oh, like, he was pretty ripped and he had, like, the right amount of body hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, eh, you know, he was pretty hot back then. Yeah, no, it sucks. I was, and I was feeling, like, conflicted because he's a douche <laughs> and, like, I was attracted to him and I didn't want to be at the same time. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Believe me, it happens to all of us. Yeah. He, I know nothing about him as a person. So, so lucky. As Cole the Conqueror, I found him very pleasant. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about this pleasant role by doing a quick summary of the film. Okay. Open narration, of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write that down, though. It's some fairly generic fanery... Fanery? It's... <laughs> <laughs> fantasy. It's some fairly generic fantasy bullshit about prophecies and gods and Acherons and... Uh, what's the other god in this uh, setting? Volca. Volca. Well, thank you for Volca. bringing that up. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, Jamie, because that's how I was going to frame it. Um, so basically, this whole movie is like a long-standing feud between two gods. Isn't every movie a long-standing feud between two gods? <laughs> and it's the humans who get caught in the middle, right? Hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Antics ensue. Exactly. So... Hijinks uh, and pratfalls in one film? The setting is the kingdom of Volusia. <laughs> you can't say that on our show. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, that rating is not high enough. And uh, it's like from the time of myth, right? 
It's a great vague time period to set your stories in. Now, I do want to point out, because this is a Robert E. Howard story, I mean, we know that Robert E. Howard got the Conan stories directly from Conan from Hyperborea. Yeah. So do you think the Cole... visited him in his dreams, right? Yeah. Okay. So do you think Cole also came to Howard and and, uh, told him these stories? Maybe Conan came to Howard and talked about Cole and was talking shit about him. (laughs) <laughs> oh, classic Conan move. And I know then, exactly who you should cast to play this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cole found out that Conan was talking shit and then came to visit Howard. Okay, I and, dig it. And was like, no, that guy's a bastard. You have to hear it from my side. I like that. <laughs> and Robert E. Howard was just like, yeah, he said I should cast you as this guy. He's like, well, who is he? He looks kind of handsome. Uh, yeah, that's all he is. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, that explains why the story is so convoluted, right? Because it's two different unreliable narrators through the author I think the, talking uh, about the events of the film. I would guess that in this case, the unreliable narrator is the producer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this movie is produced by like the partner of the producer of Beastmaster, but I could be wrong. Okay. I, I might be completely pulling that out of my ass, though. Hmm. All right. But, you know, I'm just going to say it. And if you cut it, that's fun, too. Less poisoned tigers in this. Yes. You hope. Yeah, we hope. Drugged, right? So, but we do get Tia Carrera and Harvey Firestein, both yes. Swords and Satire film alumni. Harvey Firestein plays a lovable <sighs> rogue named Juba. My favorite character possibly in anything, certainly in this movie. Who's an old friend of Cole's from his pirating days and who... Friend. <laughs> ...betrays them at some point in the movie. We'll talk about that later. And Tia Carrera plays Aki Vasha, the sorceress queen. So I'm guessing this is just a couple years before she was cast in basically the same role in Merlin the Return, which we covered last year. I know. Or earlier this year. Time is a flat circle. This movie was better. (laughs) I mean, that is the lowest of low bars, but yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I didn't even watch part of it. (laughs) This one or Merlin? Both, I guess. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're doing the summary then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm very qualified. We should probably hop into that. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of doing it. Um Really? <laughs> we haven't gotten past the narration. I don't think we're going to get much further. I don't think we need to get much further than the narration. <laughs> I figured this is like our anniversary, so it's a real satirist yeah. version of the summer. We could yeah. just have the opening narration and then, and then say the fart. ending narration. <laughs> and then you got the whole movie right there. There was a poop joke, right? Well, a uh, camel pooped on call. There we go. And, and, and peed on him, I think. Movie over. <laughs> and with that, we can hop into the down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the flame of Acheron is in the kingdom of Lucia, and the breath of Volca, which is like frozen breath, is in the frozen north. That's a good place to keep a frozen thing. Yeah. And uh, Akivash is like brought back to life by Inaros, a wizard. Who wants to, like, bang her, I guess. And he's always cuckolded. 
<laughs> it's his life. It's his meaning in life. He's got big incel vibes. He yeah, does. Interesting. Exactly. So does the star of this movie. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so, uh, Cole defeats Borna, the former king of Valusia. Yay, regicide! Wins the crown, makes it illegal to wear a shirt because so, <laughs> he's uh, with the free nipple movement. I mean, that's nice. He's good to have allies. The yeah. royal nipples are for all to see. <laughs> it's a true. good policy. Yeah. Um, he tries to make a lot of changes for the better, tries to end slavery, but they're like, you know, it's written on that stone over there, so I don't think, you know, you can do that. Dude, they're straight up trying to have Cole be, like, basically espousing American values, yeah. and it just makes the whole meta thing with the actor feel super gross. I know. It's true. It, it, He's like, then you're going to have freedom of religion as long as it's the religion that I say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when Cole breaks into his 13-minute uh, monologue about cancel culture, I check out. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, there's a plot to kill him because there are a lot of people like in line for the crown who feel super jelly that he took it from them. And uh, one of whom is General Talagaro, who had great chemistry with Cole. Oh, my God. And they are giving like, him the come fuck me eyes. But yep. like maybe he wants to give him a little death, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Um, Let's just say he prefers to fight with swords. <laughs> he mentions does. it multiple times. He does. A flaming sword. It's the nobleman's way to fight. It's, it's the first like major scene in this movie is them dueling with flaming swords. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blindfolded. It's true. Yes. In the muck. It's kinky. It's really kinky. It's very kinky. Downright dirty. <laughs> this film is filthy. So once Anaros uh, resurrects Akivasha... She basically just kills Cole by spitting in his mouth. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I didn't realize how pornographic this movie was on the first watch. <laughs> it's like Disney's Onward. But it turns out it just like the pants made him pass out a little bit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> just died a little bit. He La got better. <laughs> La petite mort. Yes. Um, they blame Zaretta for his death, quote unquote. And Zaretta is one of the concubines in the castle of the former king, uh, who's a fortune teller. Who totally doesn't want to fuck Cole. Oh, actually, wait. Yes, she does. And uh, her brother, Ascalante, is a priest of Volca. And so es Ascalante and Cole help Zaretta escape because she's going to be burned at the stake. And then they travel to the Isle of Ice together. That's when... Uh, they meet up with Cole's old friend Juba. Oh, uh, good old Juba. They have a good party together, but then turns out he drugged him. And we call that the Jubilee. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, they're gonna, like, basically double-cross all of them. But then, Pirate stuff. Yeah, Cole gets out, and they basically mutiny and take over the ship. Harvey Firestein steals this movie. I they know. should have had him play Cole. I wanted to see more of him. It wasn't fair. No, it's not fair at all. Zaretta basically takes the breath into herself 
they make their way back God, to this is X-rated. Volusia. <laughs> um, and, and she, she takes her top off first. Yeah, right. it's true. Uh, and uh, Zaretta is actually taken back because she's kidnapped by General Telegaro. Ascalante dies, and Cole goes back on his own. Pirate style. I kind of stopped paying attention at that point, so I don't remember how he got back. But, um... Just ship. Yeah, okay. jumped on a ship. It's only like a ten minute walk. Takes weeks by ship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he, like, basically gets to the tower, confronts Akivasha. You guys are gonna have to, like, take over at this point, though, because, like, I don't remember any of the fight. I'll tell you exactly what happened. The general yeah. and the minion. Inaros. That's right. They are confronting the sorceress. Akavasha. And the general is holding the fortune teller. Zaretta. Hostage. <laughs> and he's basically saying, I could kill you right now with the breath that is inside of. Zaretta. <laughs> and he tries to kill her with Zaretta. Yeah. Meanwhile, like do. in bursts the protagonist. Cole. <laughs> you knew that one. I did. And then he <laughs> and the general. Taligaro. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> this is like some fucked up fantasy Mad Lib. Except you have to get it right. <laughs> Cole ends up killing him. And, which is just so sad. Not how we would have ended it. Rewriting no. history. Look forward to it. Patrons. X-rated version of rewriting history. Oh, yeah. Don't mind if we do. <laughs> First ever e-fic yeah. that we do for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Down. Try to get the Adam Eve are. sponsorship. <laughs> hey, sure. Then the minion. Anaros. Tries to use his cool weapon he's been wielding the entire movie. But like all things in his life, someone cooler than him gets to use it against him. (laughs) And Cole kills him with it. Oh my god. I'm sorry I missed this. (laughs) Literally like three different people have sex with the woman he spent his life to resurrect. And then she like tortures him a bunch. And and when he gets to use his cool weapon, Cole takes it and kills him with it. His whole life is just taken by other people. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I was paying attention, and all of this shit has fallen out of my brain. Yeah, yeah. It is so forgettable. That's right. And we heard the fortune that this would all end with a kiss. Okay. And Zaretta breathes the breath of... Volka into Cole's mouth and he then turns and the sorceress Akavasha who is his wife is like a demon at this point and she's like hey husband do you want to still hook up maybe you up right (laughs) Netflix and kill he's just like oh I'm up right and then they kiss Even though she's a gross demon monster. I mean, let's not pass judgment now. That's right. 
And but the breath goes into her and it extinguishes the eternal flame. It kills her. Cole has some chunky, vile disgustingness in his mouth. He spits out and nearly made me sick watching it. I call that material Sorbo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess Cole's a xenosexual. Yeah. And uh, he and uh, the fortune teller, Zaretta, resume as the king and queen of the kingdom. And Cole uh, smashes the uh, stone with all the laws on it. He's like, fuck it, I'm the king. I don't king, like your rules. King Cole breaks the law. Exactly. Literally. With his axe, a barbarian's weapon. Ah. And, and then he starts going, now, let me talk about this idea I have. I call it the Second Amendment. <laughs> you know, I've been reading these tablets that were written by the prophet Ayn Rand. Oh, oh God, God damn it. All right, that's enough for a summary. <laughs> Why don't we head into the Delve? Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Cole the Conqueror. So like I said, this is one of those movies that no matter how many times you watch it, it just kind of falls out of your brain. There's, I know we had kind of a long summary and part of it was just us like fucking around. I don't know what you're talking about. But, um, like, there is so much we left out. (laughs) Yes, so this movie has a pacing problem. Yeah. Did we describe it when we were talking together that this was like three movies stitched into an hour and a half? Yeah. Because it's, in fact, three books put into one movie. It shows. Yeah, that's what we found out afterwards. Yeah. And it does show. It's uh, not good. They move at a breakneck pace in this movie. When we watched it, we... Like finished the credits and muted it, and they like just like kept our conversation going, and the movie started to replay. And before I knew it, like we were already through the scene where Cole killed the king and like took on the kingship and stuff. Like this shit goes down in the first five minutes. It jumps from scene to scene to scene at a such a rapid pace. It is just like impossible to keep track. But we did get to see the sultry glances that General Taligaro is giving Cole again. True, that was worth it. That's right. And we didn't even touch on how Cole became the king, did we? Regicide? Uh, I did say that he defeated Borna, the former king. Yes, it's true. But that's not how he got the kingship. Okay, that's fair. And we also did not touch on the plot by the King's two sons to kill him. That's right. Yeah. And we didn't even mention the other son because he's not very mentionable. No. So it's regicide and patricide all wrapped into one. That's right. All my favorite sides. The king killed (laughs) all of his children because the eldest tried to take the crown by force. Right. So he's like, so I killed all of them to take away the chance. huh?" He was like to save them. Classic king move. He was like to save them from future disappointment. Yeah, which that's is pretty good. Hilarious. Listen, you guys know I don't support any kings, but that's a pretty good line. Yeah, this guy, you know, he's vital. You know, yeah. he attacks Cole on sight. 
And yes, for like really no explicable reason. No, he's just hyped up. Yeah. Quirked up, goaded with the sauce. <laughs> busting it down. King sauce. Cole, you know the problem? Cole was asking him not to kill anyone else. Yeah, big mistake. Yeah. So Cole kill, uh, gives him a lethal blow. And the general who Cole had been flirting with was like, oh, I'm next in line. Give me the crown. Cole is like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I got no problem with you. He starts giving him the crown. The other cousin walks in is like, actually, I'm next in line. And the king is yeah. like, actually, neither of you yeah, are next in line. We think the king is dead. Like, suddenly he's on the ground, like, screaming up, like, no, no, no. The person who killed me gets to be the king. Them's the rules. Yeah, it's true. He's like, no take bagsies. I get to pick and fuck you too. I like this guy. It's like, really? You like you this like, guy? Yeah, you like the guy who just killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's my son. I love him. He's my favorite person. I'm going to give him a little smooch, like in a dad way. <laughs> a little daddy smooch? Yeah, yeah. I think that might mean something different. Yeah. And, and Cole is like, my daddy is dead. Long live me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah needless to say the general and his cousin are upset about it yeah needless to say so they join a cult to resurrect a dead sorceress is this another snake cult it actually is yep <laughs> classic robert e howard movie snake cult yeah and um there's some real like ham-handed, poorly executed freedom of choice yeah. motif uh, in the movie. So I'd say this movie's biggest flaw <laughs> if I were going to pick one flaw to point out as the biggest, it has got this like Cass said like ham-handed attempt at American exceptionalism in a fantasy setting. Now, granted Howard was an American fantasy writer, which, you know, for the time, that was somewhat, you know, rare. He was coming out of the shadow of Tolkien and a lot of, like, the British classic fantasy authors. So that is an interesting thing, and I don't know if this comes from the originals or not. I'm guessing certainly not in the extreme tone. I'm guessing that maybe the star of the movie might have had something to do with these bizarre overtures to like, we're going to instill freedom of religion and you're going to get to like make your own choices and I'm going to free all your slaves because boy oh boy ain't the USA great. We're just the best. I'm an American actor playing this fantasy role. Yeah, and he was like Oogling all the women that were the former concubines of the last king, uh, who clearly had no choice in the matter of being in the position they were in. And then he's like, well, if you really don't want to be here, you're free to go. Yeah, they really try to, like, make it seem like Cole is some roguish scoundrel with, like, lovable rogue, and it just does not play at all. Yeah. And then... They all decide to stay. Of course. Which was gross. And You're all free. Oh, you know what? You know what? We're like um, house elves in Harry Potter. We actually prefer servitude. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual it's, servitude. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. It's awful. Wait, what did I know about the house elves? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That world just got even darker. I mean, you know, late at night. Oh, we should not. 
Yes. I I think. <laughs> wait, wait, what's the, the one? <laughs> the college humor yes, one with the wand of incredible girth. <laughs> yes, Harry Potter and the wand of incredible girth. I need to watch. Dobby that again. is the master now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I think fine. your perception of the main actor might be putting a filter on the way you've watched the movie. Possibly, but it it does seem pretty like overtly like we're going to do freedom of religion and freeing the slaves and stuff. That is true, but those are good things. Sure. They just, they tried to, like, squeeze them all in so rapidly and, like, give the main character just, like, all the good qualities and none of the bad. It just seems really deliberate to me. Right. I it's didn't poorly see... executed, like I was saying. I'm not sure it is. Okay. Because we get illusions that he's already lived a very eventful life. We do. That's true. We talked about, when we were hanging out, how... Cole seems like a flat character. Yes. Because he doesn't develop at all throughout the movie. But he doesn't I, have any flaws to overcome. Yeah. He is the one who has just come to improve everything. And, mm, uh, like, I see how that can make him seem really like, you know, he's the Gary Sue. Yeah. But I ha had the interpretation that because of all the allusions to his past as an Atlantean, and as a pirate, he had already gone through all the character development adventures. Well, it sure would have been nice to have seen some of those character developments in this film. That's what we always <laughs> joke about. The first time we saw this, we just kept being like, why do they keep talking about Atlantis and pirates? Why didn't we get to see any of that? <laughs> yeah, stop teasing us with a better movie. Yeah, and so... Like, he's come with sort of, like, a sense of who he is and how he thinks the world should be. And he's just, like, kind of doling it out and not apologizing for it. Yeah, that's fair. And I thought that was kind of cool. If you wanted to see Cole develop, it didn't happen. No. Another thing is, when it comes to the concubine scene, I think there are a few things that were reasonable within it. Okay. I don't think it was too ham-handed, the consent thing that they did. No, they actually do a good job of Cole taking no for an answer, I guess. Yeah, uh, she comes in. Zaretta? Yeah. She comes in and is like, Not would you like me to undress? Yeah. But it's very business formal. And he's like, uh, no, you're a fortune teller. Read my fortune, right? Uh, he's interested in that, which is a cool thing for him to want. Yeah. yeah. As a barbarian, I think it's cool that he is spiritual. I think he's more of a pirate. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Also, I mean, spiritual pirate's good, though. And then she does that, but then he's trying to make conversation with her because he's attracted to her. Yeah. And she basically just keeps being like, shall I undress now? Because to her, this is just a business transaction. She's a slave. This is all that she is willing to give him as someone who is like forcing her into this. Sure. Yeah. And she's expecting him to be as awful as she is used to. Yeah. And he gets that vibe. He picks up on it and he doesn't like it. He's like, no, I don't want that because I can tell you don't want me. Right. 
And he is really into her. Yeah. His attraction to her is undeniable. But he uh, like he like puts her on the bed even. And then he's just like, oh, fuck me. I can't do it. Right. <laughs> a low bar, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, he's actually a lot more graceful with it than that, I think. And I think the fact that it's so like you're not consenting to it. So I'm not going to do it is exactly as in your face as that message needs to be for our culture outside of the movie. That's fair. It makes me wish that she didn't like instantly come back and be like, actually, I'm in love with you. Like, yeah, as soon as he like shows himself to be a quote unquote good king, which we all know is an oxymoron. That's the part that I feel like was not handled well and was kind of rushed. I mean, granted, most of the movie was not handled well and was pretty rushed. Yeah. Love development plots are often super rushed, especially from someone who's been traumatized their whole life as a slave. Yes. And when it came to, we mentioned that the harem, when he says you're all free to go, uh, the eunuch says that's not allowed. Right. And yeah, so the, the system really... is trying to stop Cole from changing it. That's right. Also, a lot of people who have been forced into that way of living might not know any other way of living that it is like available to them. Sure. He did cover that, actually. He told one slave that he could go, and the guy was like, I don't have anywhere else to go. I was born in the castle. Yeah. So they... They might not know that life outside of the slave role is even possible. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of evidence about the culture from the movie, so that's fair. Yeah, but I know I've heard accounts of people who have worked in the sex work industry who have just thought it was inescapable. Right, of course. So even though freedom was offered, there's no guarantee they would actually like understand that opportunity for what it is sure it could seem threatening or scary absolutely and they also have no like governmental safety nets to fall back on (laughs) very true and yeah so i don't know that that felt kind of realistic no that's they're fair points but when it comes to the love plot that's so often rushed yeah the one thing i think could have made her into him he accepts that she does not consent to sex. He tries to free her. He sees her value in her divination skill. And he saved her brother from being killed. Sure. It falls in that unfortunate trope of, like, love is a reward for good deeds. But I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. they, in the, like, five minutes that all of these things happen, right. they do establish, like, a lot of things that Cole might be doing right potentially yeah in the scene where she comes to his chamber to um give him the reading and she thinks it's a transaction between them and he's trying to seduce her um he it actually takes him three times to take no for an answer is that right yeah yeah that's too bad he's trying to be like 
the forceful roguish character, right? They're trying to establish him that way, but then to like blunt it by being like, oh, but he wouldn't actually do anything. And just like the framing just isn't great. If if it was a movie where it was exploring more of Cole's flaws and psychology, maybe. Yeah. But we just don't get enough of it. Now, you see, that's why I think that message has to be so ham handed because I didn't even notice that. Okay. Yeah, she said no three times, and he only stopped after the third time. See how, see how more blatant that could have been. Yeah, yeah, it could have. So they tried anyway. Yeah, I guess. And and when did this movie come out? Ninety seven. Not oh. exactly the most um, culturally sensitive era. No. I think it's pretty good for that era, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you set your bars really low, and I mean. It's fair. You know, in the, if it were a decade prior or maybe Oof. 15 years prior, she he would have just gone for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Beastmaster, like one of the like first times that uh, our hero protagonist meets the female lead, he's just like oogling her naked, like naked, right? Like she's showering. Yeah. He's just spying on her. He sets up a situation to like run into her naked, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Something like that. They like, st- the tiger like steals her clothes or something. Yeah. Like the ferrets do. It, it wasn't a good look. It's not. Go listen to our Beastmaster episode. Yeah, that's yeah. an old one. Yeah. Please forgive us any problems with audio or our, um personalities yeah (laughs) it's there too (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i mean this movie does represent some amount of progress in the genre of fantasy films yeah i feel like sex is something so not talked about in our culture i think a lot of new movies don't even approach like representing good consent culture and so I re- I think that scene is really unique in media and we need more scenes like it. Yeah. And we could have like 20 plus years of experience on how to do better than they did. <laughs> and true. yet we squander it. Yeah. Because Twilight. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> You're right. I'm throwing Twilight under the bus. <laughs> Throwing it into the sunlight. It's almost October. Maybe we'll do some real vampire stuff. Maybe. We're doing witchy stuff. Just as good. How many witch hunters were there? I don't know, but there's a last one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, I want to really make sure that we don't miss a good opportunity to talk about class struggle. Oh, shit. This is happening. <laughs> Because we've been touching on it with stuff like slavery and regicide, you know, like bad themes like slavery, good themes like regicide. Yeah. But we really have this interesting, I'm going to call it a Cinderella story here. Okay. Right with Cole, because we meet Cole. We don't know anything about him except he was a pirate. So that implies probably of a lower class, right? Yeah. He... Kills the king and gets instantly elevated. He is suddenly the cock of the walk. Right. He's the big man on campus. King shit. (laughs) 
He was once a slave himself. Exactly. Yes. So, again, a real Cinderella story here with Cole. In this case, his magic slippers are um, a flaming sword, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, this is another reason why I feel like this movie really relies on, like, myths of the American dream. Because that is so much a common theme throughout our media where a character, you know, lowly born is elevated to this high position and, Oh, aren't they just perfect and the best? Yeah. It, you know, and, and we're all just temporarily inconvenienced millionaires waiting to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's true. We are all people born in the dirt who eventually rise to president, which is why the 1% only uh, means the people who didn't accomplish that. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, Jack. That's right. The 99% couldn't possibly be poor people. No. (laughs) Because everyone gets a chance at being president. That's right. (laughs) For a day. I have a joke related to how Cole becomes king and the presidency, but I do not want to say it on a publicly available show. I like the implication, though. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But yeah, so Cole is this interesting character, right? Because he represents this myth of upward mobility. Like we said before, he tries to abolish slavery and promote freedom of religion. Positive changes in government. Yeah. He kind of represents this interesting power fantasy of being able to just easily overthrow a tyrannical dictatorship. Yeah. He does it in like the first five minutes of the movie. And then the rest of the movie is like, oh, but gosh darn it, those bureaucrats are just always getting in the king's way, the president's way, whatever. Like, it is the old system that is trying to hold back this new, quote-unquote, radical thinker. Yeah. Who wants these bizarre ideals like freedom of religion and, like, the release of slaves. And it's this old guard that's like, oh, no, actually, we kind of, like, really benefit from the way things are. Right. Americans love this story. It's just, it's in everything we do. My God, that's just like gone with the wind that it's like now that we lost the war, our southern comfort ways of living are gone with the oh wind. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I had a student today doing a vocabulary and uh, they like read their quote that they found for it. And they're like, it's from a book called Gone with the Wind. And I was just like. Okay, we have we're a generation removed from anybody knowing what the fuck that is. That's probably for the better. It, yeah, please don't. <laughs> I was like, it's a popular book, a much more popular film, and I didn't mention like don't watch it. I, I'm sure, like on an artistic level, maybe it has some merit, but it is yeah, literally a requiem for. The South, so I can't possibly condone it. It just reminds me of John Carter when you find out that he's a Confederate soldier as the Fuck. superhero. It's like, why didn't you change it? Disney could have literally just been like, nope, he's a Union soldier. Or just say he fought in the war and don't <laughs> specify. Yeah. I, I guess. It's boy, not really a major part of the story. I'm torn because, like, that is an element of the character. So, like, hiding it and obscuring it could almost be worse. 
Yeah, it, but like he doesn't go around being like slavery. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it, Martians. Know, that's a good point. Yeah, it just in the movie. It, I don't. Even, I don't even know if it like bears much. Actually, he's made into a slave. Uh, well, I guess turnabout fair play. <laughs> this is what this was like. Dang! Oh shit! I shouldn't have done all that terrible thing and all those terrible things I did. Let yeah. me list them up. Oh, it blew away in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> it was gone with the wind. <laughs> Anyways, so Cull is an American hero, is what I'm saying. Right. He's as American as apple pie or Rambo. He's not the hero we wish we were. He's the hero we deserve. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Like, if if Cole's ideals are genuine, then I support his platform uh-huh. of anti-slavery, anti-persecution, um, persecution, and freedom of religion. I'm for all of those things. Not if and, they're just like used the way that we often use them. And kind of begrudgingly agreeing to uh, honor consent. <laughs> Jeez. Again, low bars. Better than a lot of people in our government. True. That's fair. Better than some of the people who were stars of this film. Yeah. So maybe he's better than what we deserve. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> or we deserve better. Take your choice. Yeah. I think we deserve better, but all fair points. Okay, fine. (laughs) But yeah, so this character really is a reflection of this idea of rising up from nothing to be the best. And it is, again, it's repeated throughout so much of our media. And it kind of relates back to the idea that anybody could be the king. You can always grow up to be the president. Right. Anybody on the street. And you'll be beloved of the people. That's right. And you'll just... uh, Get all the women. (laughs) Is that what presidents are supposed to do? That's true. (laughs) Go out and challenge a general to a duel and just walk right into the White House with him when you hear there is an active massacre happening. Oh, God. Wait in the White House. I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, I'm, it's a one-to-one. I'm having flashbacks to the insurrection. I'm having flashbacks to the FBI listening to our podcast. <laughs> the FBI can't fix the problems in the country, or they would have by now. <laughs> That's not what I'm worried about. Hey, guys, you know who else loves regicide? Who? Our patrons. Wow, I didn't know that about them. (laughs) I'm just assuming because they listen to this show. Okay. I guess peace wasn't ever an option. (laughs) It was not. And we do know them to be comrades. Exactly. Yes. But what else do they do for us? The FBI is going to love this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked, Cass. They go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and support us every month. And in exchange for that, they get bonus episodes that are fucking hilarious. They get to vote on movies we watch and they have the best way to get in contact directly with us. Sounds pretty dope. That's right. And if you want to be super cool like our patrons, you can also go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and sign up 
to send us a few gold pieces every month to help keep the torches lit here at Castle Satire. Don't make us beg. (laughs) And now back to the episode. Anyhow, I see in my note here that Cole likes to use an axe. Yes. He's using an axe at the beginning of the movie. Is it, isn't it? it like a dual-headed axe? It is, A yes. barbarian's weapon. Yeah, absolutely. He loses his axe when he fights Talagara in a duel. Later on, he gets an axe back to fight, and it really, I don't think, has any deeper meaning than they wanted to have... Cole use an axe because like you don't think it means that he has two dicks (laughs) (laughs) I've never thought of that that way that's an interesting point he did actually have character development and it wasn't about his penis (laughs) oh thank god early in the movie we see him just tearing ass not with his dicks And not with either of his two dicks no he's using the axe in the fight he's beating a bunch of swordsmen uh, the general is like, let me see your axe. And he, Cole, like, gives it to him. Yeah. And he's just like, this is a barbarian. So he throws it in the water. He's like, fight with a sword. That's a nobleman's yeah, weapon. Yeah, a flaming sword is a noble weapon. That will touch tip to tip. And then Cole does. A more civilized sword. That's right. <laughs> touch my sword with your sword, Cole. And then uh, throughout the movie. And Cole's like, hmm, hot. <laughs> He is making, fire. Yeah. <laughs> he is making changes, but he backs down on some of them when the eunuch is like, we listen to the laws written on the tablets, right? He's like, uh, I guess there's the tablets. He's, the, the eunuch's like, come on, man, states rights. Yeah, And exactly. Cole's like, you're right. Uh, and, but then Aww. later in the final fight, he comes back with the axe and he kicks the general's ass, even though the movie he was... Con- <laughs> Yeah. He was consistently losing to him when he was using a sword. He goes back to his barbarian weapon and he wins okay, okay. because it's an affirmation of who he is. He is the barbarian. Is the axe what he uses to break the stone of laws? Yes, it is. Mm, okay. He's embracing his roots and it helps him, you know, overcome what's been in his no. way. I, I literally thought that the axe had no greater meaning and you've just shown me the actually somewhat competent symbolism of his weapon being something from his past that roots him to his origins that's taken away from him he gets back and uses it to overthrow the government yes so basically it's telling you know yourself and you will be set free yes huh that's kind of profound yeah i think that is probably one of the biggest messages of the movie Just be yourself in defiance of. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think we're going to get any better than Jack's profound discussion of the symbolism of Cole's axe. So we might as well hedge our bets and head directly to the smithy. Oh, yeah. Axes, the iconic weapon of Atlantis, maybe. I mean, if I was going to use the evidence of this film, I would say yes. Good. It's like a bloodline weapon. Cool. (laughs) Welcome to the Smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. 
Hey, Jack, do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten flaming swords? Yeah, I think I'll do that. You thought uh, I was going to pick the Atlantean axe, didn't you? But I didn't. Oh, we did flaming swords. That's right. That's right. Overall, a better symbol for this film. And for our podcast. <laughs> you know, it might be a bit of a shocker, but might not be. I think my epic moment or feature is going to be the character Cole. Okay. Ooh, controversial. Even our, um, you know, language has gotten pretty thirsty after watching this movie. It's true. Is this the most fuckable episode of Swords and Satire? For me, thinking of him as a character that's already been through a lot of life events makes him flushed out a lot more. That's fair. Because we get those great dynamics with like Juba, where he's like, I I don't trust you, Juba. You got to eat this food first, right? And then it does turn out to be drugged and Juba ate it and drugged himself because he knew his crew was going to follow through. And then he was tied down to the oars like he said he was as a slave in the past. And we got that cool like, oh, shit, he's back in that situation. Right? Yeah. A little bit of tension there. Good tension building. Yeah. If if momentary, like everything in this film is momentary. Yeah. And kind of similar to a lot of modern movies, namely like the MCU. He's got a lot of quips throughout the movie. I think it's kind of fun. No, yeah, that's fair. This predates Iron Man by a good uh, decade. Yeah. I also like the uh, that, like, I know what I'm about and you can't tell me what to do energy. <laughs> like, he just comes in and just, like, you know, starts changing shit. And they're like, but the tablets. He's like, I literally can't read. <laughs> that, that is good. That is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he wears his own outfits. He starts winning when he gets his own axe. He knows who he is and he does what he thinks is right. I I like that. And he's fun while he's doing it. And I think he's just a kind of cool character. When it comes to the movie as a whole, its pacing is so fast. Yeah. And it actually does do a lot when we were joking around about his backstory never being developed or anything. I think that sort of does a cool job of giving us a little bit of setting without overly explaining it. Yeah, I can see that. It feels kind of fleshed out in a way, kind of funnily. And uh, of course, there's a lot more of the world I'd like to see. It's the Conan world, Hyperborea, right? Uh, I think it exists in the same universe. I think think it it does. does. And I have a fun time watching this. This is the second time I've seen it. I remembered it last time. And uh, I was happy to see it again. Now, I think I want to see it again. Yeah. So with all that, I think I'm probably going to give this movie a 7 out of 10. Solid rating. Flaming Swords. I like uh, it used a lot of practical effects. Yes. And some very funny CGI that turned into practical effects. And it ended up being just kind of like fun. It's campy. At times, which I like. I think that actually compensated for, like, how the movie wasn't flawless in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so, can't be really fit. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, yeah, I like it. And uh, I think you might also. Seven out of ten. That seems fair to me. How about you, Cass? Do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten flaming swords? Yeah. 
I'm gonna say that my epic feature is Akivasha. Ooh, yeah, good one. We didn't get to talk enough about Akivasha. She's a pretty good villain played by Tia Carrera. Tia Carrera, naturally. And I think that she who used to who usually like before this played like a love interest. So yeah, this is a good like upgrade, I think. Yeah, I thought she did a better job of being a villain in this movie than she did in the Merlin one. <laughs> We're just tripping over low bars all night tonight. Um, <laughs> I liked her whole aesthetic, and I thought it was interesting that even though she was plotting to overthrow Call, she was still kind of into him. She was DTF. Yeah. Yeah. That was unusual. Down to have fun, of course. <laughs> And I thought yeah. she played that off really well. She was like, at one point, I was going to kill you, but after last night, I think I'll keep you around. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Even when she's in demon form. Did you see that in the final oh, yeah. fight? No. So much personality. She is in the form of the demon standing in the eternal flame, and she's just like, husband? Yeah! Like, Come kiss me, husband. And... She isn't saying it menacingly. Yeah. She's saying it because she's into him. Yeah. And actually, even after he's trying to take her out again, she's still like, hey, I'm I'm thirsty over here. And you look like a tall drink of water. That's right. Because he's from Atlantis. Because <laughs> she hasn't heard his politics. <laughs> it's true. Um, but, you know, she's willing to look past all that. You know, him trying to murder her and everything. Yeah, she tried to kill him. <laughs> it's true. She's like, you know, we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's flirty. Yeah, it's you know? fun it's... and flirty murder. Yeah. I mean, it's demon shit. She's even yeah. less good about consent than he is. <sighs> she, mi she mind controls. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. And uh, yeah, there's that. And she basically had him tied up and was like, well, we're going to do it. So. You're not great. No. No. It's not better just because the it's a woman doing it. No. 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 So, yeah, listen to that, everyone. Um, <laughs> but besides that, you know, it is actually a fun adventure movie. Mm hmm And uh, I thought people were doing their best in the acting. Yeah. Oh, most. Yeah. I, I feel like everyone's acting to the hill. Yeah. It was fun. And, uh... You know, I think it's unusual for fantasy films of its time. Even unusual within the Conan verse, really. I mean, it certainly has a different tone than the Conan and like Red Sonja films. Definitely. And that might have to do with when it was made. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 Flaming Swords. We're definitely shipping those two. Go, uh, call and... Talavara. Yeah. I mean, they are shipping each other. <laughs> they have so much more chemistry than like most romantic leads. It's true. I, there's even a line where the general says to call in the cave, I'm yours. Like when they're about to duel to the death. Oh, yeah. The, it really is. They really do. The I chemistry know. is there. And I think Cole says to him, if you don't like my kingship, come take my crown in like <laughs> the cattiest way. Yeah, it was pretty good. 
So uh, yeah, six out of ten. What about you, Jamie? What's your epic moment or feature? And your rating from one to ten flaming swords. Well, I'm glad you asked. I don't think it's going to be any surprise, but my epic feature is also a character, and it is Juba. Because Juba is goddamn incredible. Harvey Firestein is just the best. He was my favorite character from our film two weeks ago, Mulan. He's got the amazing voice, and seeing him on screen, his screen presence is just incredible. Juba's whole costume is just gorgeous. He is just so over the top, so vaudeville. I absolutely adore the character. I love the weaselly kind of like clearly going to backstab, but like you can't stay mad at him. Whenever he's involved, you want to see more of him. Yes. Like I want him to be the sidekick more than anything. Or like one of the like main villains or something because he just has this incredible screen presence. He's so fun and hearing everything in that Javi Feierstein voice is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, they threw he and they threw him and his crew overboard. I would have loved it at the end when they're like back in the kingdom all celebrating that Juba and just like came over and started patting Cole on the shoulders like you did it, buddies. Oh, how the hell? <laughs> I was going to say like a post credit screen uh, scene where he's still in the water swimming like, Cole, Cole, I, I don't care. The joke's over. You can come save me now. Yeah. That's actually the stuff he was saying to him when they were sailing. Away. Yeah. Just like, you know, it was like the shark maybe circling. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny anymore, Cole. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely my epic feature. As far as the rating goes, I think this is a solid 6 out of 10 Flaming Swords. It does a lot pretty well. It is very of its era, Mm -hmm. for better and for worse. The pacing issues, you guys know I love a 90-minute film. Yeah. But this feels like, I don't want a 90-minute film that feels like a 180-minute film that just got clipped down to... It's like component parts. Everything happens too fast. It is really hard to keep up with. There is no time to enjoy or appreciate anything that happens because you're instantly moving to the next shot, to the next scene, to the next moment. It's true. It's kind of juxtaposed by like everything these days is sort of becoming a TV show that's really slow pace. That's just like, we need to make this slow burn last an entire season. Yeah. I feel like Game of Thrones helped contribute to that. Probably. Which is so slow. I don't, uh, you know, if you enjoyed it, I hope you liked it a lot. That's all I'm going to say about that. I hear a lot of people really like the ending of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely worth all that slow burn. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of dragons, which are a fast burn, usually. Yes, so. but this was a movie instead of a show and fast as shit. Yeah, it was just too fast. It's like I said, like it, everything happens so quickly that your brain doesn't have time to really comprehend what's happening. The cuts are so fast. The I mean, like Jack said, they took three books and made it into one movie. Maybe take one book and make it into a movie. Yeah, it's it's actually the opposite problem in another way of the common trope now where they take 
like the final book in something and make it two movies, or they turn The Hobbit, which is a relatively short book, into three movies. This is the exact opposite, and neither works very well. But it still ended up being kind of fun. Yeah, it still ends up being fun, but just not like you can tell that there was a better movie in there. Yeah. And they didn't make it. I mean, a movie that revolved around Call and Juba's relationship obviously was the superior choice. Yeah. And his time as a pirate, like, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah. We can start with a flashback, a betrayal by Juba, returning to Juba. He needs Juba's help, he needs a boat. So he goes to him, knows that he's going to get betrayed, is waiting for the betrayal, gets surprised by it, and then deals with it. That would be a better film, in my opinion. If you want to hear more about that plot line, go check out our Patreon. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe we'll be doing a rewriting history. Maybe some uh, erotic fanfic. Who knows? We'll see. A little bit of both. But anyways, yeah, I think um, 6 out of 10 Flaming Swords is probably my rating, too. Pretty good. Could have been better. Could have been way worse. Literally, we talked about Merlin the Return, which is this movie, but way worse. Yes. But I also respect it because, you know, these fantasy filmmakers, they're out here doing the work. Merlin the Return killed 60% of my brain functions. That's what (laughs) this heat is doing to me. With that being the case, I think it's probably time for us here at Swords and Satire to hit that old uh, salty sea. And say goodbye to you for this week. But as always, if you enjoyed the show, you can consider following us on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you do that, you can keep up with the show, check out our memes, and get in touch with us and let us know what you thought about the episode. That's right. And you can check out what we're going to do next week. It's the second half of season two of Castlevania. Ooh. Yeah. Exciting. I sure hope Alucard and Dracula work out their family drama in a constructive way that is helps both of them grow. I think that's what we're all looking forward to. And if you haven't listened to the first half, you can go do that before you listen to the new one. That's right. And we mentioned a great way to support the show earlier is Patreon. However, we don't all have a few extra gold coins to send to our favorite podcasters. So another great way you can support the show is by sharing it with the people you care about the most. Good advice. Give it to your friends. Send the link to your family. <laughs> you know, if you all watch the things we watch together, you can all appreciate the jokes of the show together because what Better way to enjoy your favorite media than with your favorite people. Oh, It's the satirist way. That's right. And what more satirist way is there than to huddle around the toilet and all just <laughs> listen to the podcast? <laughs> your toilet plays podcasts? I guess that's appropriate. Bidets are getting more advanced every <laughs> year. It's Speaker the newest design. Japanese model. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for it. I'm yeah. in for you're I'm here there. for it. I'm here for it. You're going to dive right in? <laughs> yep. Just dive right in. It's actually a uh, jacuzzi toilet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, what capybaras, they won't poop unless it's in the water. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> until next time, Hail Crom.
I guess Crom's in this universe. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. Why didn't they talk about Crom uh, doing anything? Because he's always just in his mountain laughing at all the humans. That's right. 